Hello, welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about what not to put in an MMO. But before we do that, Buddy, I want you to tell the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast. On this podcast, we like to talk about games. And this is maybe one of the crunchiest episodes we're going to do in a while. Um, because it's something that popped up over the weekend, right? Over the weekend. Uh, so, so to, to back all the way up to the genesis of this. Over the weekend, Greg Street, Ghost Crawler, famously the original game director of WoW, who left the game in Warlords? Mists? I think at the end of Mists of Pandaria, he left the game. Um... Started working on League of Legends at, uh, at Riot, and then Riot started making its own MMO, which he is now leading, right? He is the uh, the executive producer of the MMO project at Riot Games, which is, you know, the, the executive pr producer of WoW, the executive producer of these would be the person who spearheads and leads the whole thing, right? Yeah, like, like the tweet. executive producer of Metal Gear is uh, Hideo Kojima for like... Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. So he put out a tweet that says, So let's be a little more negative for a moment. Without bashing other games, what features do you not want to see in this MMO that Riot is making and received... 2,000 responses, 2,840 responses as of the last, uh, as of this, this moment that we are starting the podcast. So we're going to talk about some of these. And see Every single one the... of them. No. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We want to, I want to see what like the, like really, I just want to see what are the good takes? What are the bad takes? What are the, like the misleading or like under, undercooked takes? A lot of the time on, on sort of game developer Twitter, I see a lot of people come in with very like undercooked takes where you really should have thought about that more than you know more than the five seconds it took you to tweet it out right um Hold on so one yeah. second back to the discussion at hand uh after you know 10 minutes of uh uh <laughs> of, of tech support yeah, yeah so okay um so the opinion so the 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 tweet reads, so let's be a little more negative for a moment. Without bashing other games, what features do you not want to see in the game we're making? And there's tons of responses. Responses from players, responses from influencers, responses from, you know, game developers, right? Like, this thread attracted a ton of attention over the weekend. And it has a lot of different sort of thoughts and takes. Uh, and I just want to, like, dig into some of these because I think that they are interesting. I think that they are interesting. Where do you, do we want to start with the big boys or, um, or into some of the, the more niche, the more niche stuff? Uh, so I'll let you pick. This is your, your, your topic. I, I obviously pointed out to you the one that I thought that was very interesting, but, um, given that we can't kind of go through them in order in any reasonable way, I, I will let you drive. Okay. So, uh, let's just, let's just start with maybe the most popular response. Actually, maybe I'm lying. I think the most popular response probably comes from... Okay, so I actually, this is a good one to get out of the way really quickly, right? The most popular response, just at a glance, comes from Liquid Maximum, right? Max is famously the guild leader of Liquid. He's the raid leader of their um, Race to World First team. Max has kind of risen to sort of be the face of WoW uh, streaming, especially since Asmongold kind of put wow aside and hasn't really been playing too much world of warcraft since the start of you know 9.1 um max has really sort of taken over as like I, I guess i would say like one of the premier uh influencers in in the circle right 
Um, and his response to this thread, he said, this thread will serve as an, as an example that so many people want different things from an MMO. Just make whatever you guys are passionate about. Some of the best games do what they do best and the community will come to that. This game will be a banger guaranteed as long as it isn't rushed out and doesn't try to cater to everything an MMO player wants. Main issue with WoW right now, at least, is they're trying to make everyone happy, which is impossible, and it's not able to be great for many. Not a WoW bash, by the way. People play the game for a much more unified reason from 05 to 10. I don't know what that means. Oh, uh, but that must be 2005 to 2010. Now it's branched into 15 different things as games have gotten better and more focused, and they're treading water, pleasing them all instead of specializing. And if they specialize like any new game would, they would hard alienate people. It's lose-lose for them. Comes with the territory of a game being out for 20 years, right? So this is a sentiment that I've seen kind of all over the place, which is just like, oh, don't worry. Just do what you want. Do what you're passionate about, right? Um, which as, as much as I appreciate the idea, uh, is not super interesting or, you know, conversation inducing for our, for our purposes today. Right. Um, while I think that the Riot MMO is, you know, obviously in an interesting place coming from like th that set of team with, which has Ghostcrawler as it's like lead, lead developer or whatever else. Um, I think we can all agree that game devs are passionate about their job and they will probably make a game that they are in fact passionate about. Right. Yeah. Um, I was going to say like, you know, we've talked about this on the podcast, but part of the reason, a big part of the reason why game developers are underpaid is because they're so passionate about their jobs that they're willing to be underpaid instead of going into normal industry. Um, yep, exactly. I do just want to highlight that I think what Max says here is true, right? Which is that a game like WoW is catering to a number of different, you know, sort of sub games, right? There are people who play WoW that are raiders, that are Mythic Plus players, that are PvP players, that are collectors, that are looking for a single player RPG, that are, you know... All of these different sorts of types of people who are playing the game, right? Crafters, economy people. And they're all looking for a different sort of thing out, out of the game. Um, but I don't really think that that answers, that answers Ghostcrawler's question. So I'm going to set aside that and other similar responses so just as a uh, – I, I, uh, to put it aside. I agree with you generally, but I do think there's an interesting thing here to talk about, which is whether or not, you know – the Riot MMO should specialize in a certain way. And I don't know if I agree with this take, right? That essentially that WoW is is treading water because it can't it has it wants to be everything for everybody. Which I think in like some lowercase sense is maybe true. But I also think that part of the appeal of an MMO is being a big tent that like a lot of different people can come into and interact. Like the part of the big draw of MMOs is a social aspect, right? Yeah. Um that's what people keeps people uh, coming back in a lot of ways, and I think part of the the problem with with this particular take is when you specialize, you are inherently narrowing that market, which is fine for certain games. But I have to imagine that the Riot MMO is going to aim for that, like you know, you know, aim to be the WoW killer, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, it is it is it is fashionable, obviously, to like bash on WoW, but we can just look at fourteen, right? Fourteen is also a Big Ten MMO yeah. in the sense that it has a rating scene, it has you know, PvP game modes, it has, uh, you know, like, dungeon stuff with, like, leveling in the Palace of the Dead, it has crafting, right? Like, it also has a lot of these types of systems. Um, and I also probably would balk at the idea that WoW is treading water because, you know, we just came off of the, the Dragonflight announcement, which 
is a very back to basics kind of announcement, which seems to suggest that that is, in fact, what people are kind of looking for, right? That after a couple of expansions of very ambition, a very ambitious expansion of what the game could and should be, um, that people are really just looking for a core nugget of the MMO experience. I also think that having different game modes inside of us of a single game is a good thing, right? Um, I never would have gotten really deep into Mythic Plus if it didn't become a viable gearing path for me, right? Like, as this way for me to specialize my gear more, and I, I would now consider myself a mainline Mythic Plus player, right, over any other, you know, way that I interact with the game world of WoW, it is by playing Mythic Plus, um... And part of that comes from including incentives to get people to branch outside of their comfort zone rather than sort of locking away and siloing off players, right? It is a good thing that raiders have to come out of raids and do a certain amount of world content to get the double legendary. It is a good thing that PvP players have to do a certain amount of PvE in order to get legendaries out of Torghast, for instance. Yeah, I think I, think I, I generally agree with that. I also think that it's also kind of like... Um, you know, I think part of it is that it is unlikely that anything that wants to call itself an MMO is going to be very good at something in particular just to, to a way that it will, like, you know, um, how do I want to put that it will support an entire game, right? Like um, something like, say, Call of Duty is not an MMO. I don't think it would call itself an MMO, but it provides that kind of like singular um, shooty experience, right? You know, mm -hmm. comments about like how good or bad that is uh, aside. That's that's it, it is providing you COD style shooting, right? Um, and I think an MMO just kind of doesn't want to do that, right? Like if you want, if they want to do another specialized online focused game, they already have it. It's called League of Legends. Um, yep. Uh, you know, obviously, and obviously there are some like aesthetic differences there as well. But I, I like something that was. I, I think I think the, it pushes itself to like to to non-specialization even something like destiny which is kind of like in a relatively um narrow niche compared to something like wow um has a bunch of modes in it just so you you can like do different things in it even though that, that consistent like you know the primary thing it's developed or delivering to you is consistent bungee gunplay um you know like that halo style gunplay which i think is 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 fantastic i think the large part of the reason that the game survives but it doesn't try and deliver it to you like like it tries to deliver that to you over a variety of of modes of play and in more ways than the kind of like a playlist gives you, if that makes sense. Um, okay. Yeah. So I do want to, uh, move to maybe the next most popular tweet in this thread, which comes from shroud, right. Um, who's been a streamer for forever. I feel like I've always, you know, like I've seen this name a million times or whatever. Shroud responded and just said one word leveling, right. To which Ghostcrawl responded. So you, you don't gain power at all, or you just want the game to start at end game. Um, Shroud eventually responded this saying, I think gaining power should come from knowledge. I want to be in a world where I can click and create a character. Everything I do has some level of importance and not just a long winded tutorial. I've talked a lot about this, but I can only co convey so much on Twitter, right? Very, very sort of straightforward idea. So an MMO, where you essentially start at endgame, right? And there is sort of no, uh, there is there is there is no leveling uh, ramp. What is, what is your basic reaction to to the idea of an MMO with no leveling? So I, I had uh, two. My first one was um, something that the Angry GM tells t talks about is players are very good at telling you whether they like something or not. But they're not very good at telling you why, which 
Um, and, and this seemed to be in that kind of vein. It's like there is something that Ghostcrawler, or not Ghostcrawler, that Shroud is identifying um, that he doesn't like. And I think he might be off about like that being leveling. The other part of this is that the leveling process for all of its like you know potential grindiness, its primary function is, as he says, to be a tutorial. But it's supposed to be like it's essentially a mandatory training room in like a fighting game, right? Like you have you you slowly add to the toolkit and you do it in this very kind of like slow um, way so that you can like build up some sort of rotation um, and not be total ass when uh, you hit like say dungeons or when you hit endgame content in general. Sure. Um, yeah. I think the easy counter to that is like. That doesn't seem to stop people from being asked when they hit the end game content. So is it worth it? Um, uh, and then the other thing that I thought of immediately was Guild Wars One had an option where you could create because that Guild Wars One the big thing was PvP at end game. And you could create um, a PvP character at max level immediately if you wanted to. Um, so those are those are my big uh, big three things. Um, and I, I can deep dive deeper on any of them. But what what were your what were your immediate thoughts? My immediate thought is that leveling is itself a and a quote unquote end game experience, right? Or, or I, end game is the wrong word. Kind of like end point experience, right? Leveling is a type of experience that an MMO in a big tent capacity offers to a player, right? Where you are going through and you are progressing and you're getting stronger. You're getting a bunch of gear upgrades, right? Um, and that feels and, and that feels good and that is a real kind of gameplay loop sort of in and of itself right um i think the problem with leveling comes from a world in which people want to play a game like wow like they would play league of legends or overwatch right you just sort of queue up into your match and you go right there's no there's no introductory process that you have to sort of grind through in order to um in order to get to that and you know, to that end point that you are looking to, right? Whether that's Mythic Plus, rating, you know, PvP, sort of, um, sort of whatever else, right? Um, and I do think that leveling has a place as a sort of introductory experience to uh, any, you know, any individual game or any individual expansion. Um, but I don't know that I've seen a game do leveling well as sort of the content. Outside of maybe like, I, it's sort of the appeal of WoW Classic is this, right? Where the game is leveling, where really reaching end game is the, you know, is is the cherry on top of of the whole experience. But m what most of the experience is driven by is it feels good to complete quests, it feels good to level up, it feels good to get better gear, right? It feels good to get abilities that do better and more powerful things. And so I think I might agree with the underlying assertion that leveling is an unfun piece of the, you know, like an unfun piece of the, the puzzle. Um, but I feel like failing to contend with the idea of that leveling is itself supposed to be a fun process um, is tough, right? One of the things that I thought was really interesting um, was Freak, the, you know, like the Riot caster, um, said, I've churned from every MMO that isn't Lost Ark while leveling, and it's because at around 15 hours you're still killing the same random zombies with boring level 3 fireball combat. Good gameplay, ex like, which is to say dungeons, is few and far between, and there's still 40 hours of leveling to go, right? Um, and I think I understand a little bit of, of, of this, right? There is th this kind of feeling when I start a new character, especially if I were to, like in WoW, for instance, create a new character of a class that I'm familiar with, like if I were to create a level one warrior, I understand the difference between how a level 
60 warrior plays. So playing a level one warrior feels very weird all of a sudden to me, right? Um, because I am lacking a lot of the core pieces of that gameplay. And I, I it, it feels less like I am building a character up and more like I am re-earning stuff that was stripped away from me, if that makes sense, right? Um, and I kind of feel like that's a little bit of what of what Freak is uh, is expressing here, right? Where the good gameplay loop in terms of second-to-second, moment-to-moment, actually casting my skills and abilities, all this other stuff, is sort of saved for endgame, right? And the process of making a leveling experience comes from stripping away pieces from that gameplay loop such that the character now starts in a pretty broken and jank spot and has to re-earn those pieces, you know, step-by-step over time. Yeah, and I, I think your point, part of the problem there is that, like, Rarely is that process compelling, right? There's nothing that, that's to stop you from, say, making or stopping Riot in this instance from making a leveling experience that is all "quote unquote" good content. Um, a big part of the the reason to that they that you know, frankly, uh, game developers choose to not do that are a couple of reasons. One, you want a, a thing that anyone can do given time. Right, like you don't want somebody like banging their head against a dungeon in the leveling process because then you'll lose them early. Two, there are a lot of people who like to play this in kind of the sublimation mode, which is like I'm basically not paying attention. We talk about doing this with with WoW, yep. doing world content all the time. I'm not paying attention. I'm listening to a podcast, or I'm you know minimally paying attention. Um, I'm listening to a podcast while I'm doing it, and the whole point is to and the, the whole point is just for something for my fingers to do while um you know and then I can just kind of like relaxingly do while I'm you know, multitasking, um, which requires the content to not be super hard. And, you know, level, like, you know, there's only so long I can do world quests in WoW before I feel like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm burnt out and I don't want to do this anymore. Um, but like leveling is a good way to kind of extend that, right? Leveling a different character. Um, uh, I think another piece of this maybe, uh, is that, it, uh, it, sorry. Um, is that, uh, like I said, with, with the kind of the, the thing you're identifying that maybe, uh, you, you know, you're, you're identifying a pro- you're identifying something that you don't like, but you're not necessarily hitting uh, exactly why that is. Um, it's just that, like, um, it take like, I, I think the timing component is super important there is, is how I want to express this, right? Like, like you were saying, with WoW Classic, right, like, the climb to 60 was super long. Right, like I, I remember back when I was, you know, in high school, and I, I did my first climb to sixty. That was a thing that took weeks, maybe months, and you know, and part of that was that I wasn't playing, you know, twelve hours a day or whatever because I had school. But um, but you know, that's that was a long process, um, and I think that that's that can be fine if that's what you're looking for. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe this goes back to the previous point point of like you know, don't make try and make this for everybody. It needs to be specifically for, you know, or um. You know, try and know your your target audience and, and, and capture that. But I also think that if you start at max level, you're going to burn players out on on kind of like that end game content much faster, uh, which is obviously a problem, a, a big problem for an MMO. Um, like, uh, I don't know. It, it, it's interesting to think about because the other MMO I've put any time into in the recent past is um, New World, and New World I never hit max level, and I thought, but I found the leveling process to be. Um, fun, right? Like, uh, mm-hmm. I, I didn't think it was uh, a huge problem. Um, and part of that, I think, was the comment. Maybe, I don't know, maybe this is something to do with just, like, tab targeting, right? Like, that that, that causes a problem. Um, I don't know. 
that that's a bunch of like stuff I threw out One there. One last thing that I want to add in here is that, especially to your feedback point from players, right, where they, they have a good sense of where their feelings are, but not where they are coming from, right, um, is I think that the leveling process is built to give you a sense of progression, right? Um, and players do want a sense of progression, but they don't think they want a sense of progression, if that makes sense, right? There is, um, there is a feeling of uh, uh, friction to not being complete on the thing and a feeling of relief that comes from completing the thing, right? But realistically speaking, people want the grind in a way that they have a hard time uh, sort of like realizing, right? The The idea is because the gr when the grind ends, that feels good, you say, oh, wow, the grind sucks. I just want the end. But if you just skip to the end, that isn't satisfying and is not mm. fun and interesting, right? Um, and it's a real tough, it's like a real tough balance, you know, balancing act uh, to, to be able to see the through line between I am getting better and I am getting stronger and it feels good to do those things um, without necessarily like being a, like having that be a, a frustrating piece of your gameplay, right? Which sort of ties into another one of these that I want to, that I want to mention, which is, um, uh, this is just a random guy on the thread who says RNG loot, right? If I'm going to spend time on a game, I want to know how to get better slash new items and approximately how long it will take instead of praying to maybe get something good eventually, possibly one day. This actually pops up in a couple of different places where folks are um where folks are saying random loot right so for instance um akinola gg he's just a, a league of legends guy says i don't want random limited loot tables for endgame content please give tokens to trade in instead for everyone who participated if i clear something and don't walk out of there with something for my efforts i feel like i wasted my time dungeoning or raiding right um which this one i think is really interesting because it is it's the same it's in in my philosophy it's the same thing happening right cognitively which is that I actually do think people like random loot, right? Because the feeling of getting something randomly feels better than getting something at that sort of slow and steady pace, right? So, you know, just to, to science this out, if we were to say you need to kill a boss five times and each time, you know, each time you kill a boss, you get one crystal and with five crystals, you can turn it in and get the weapon you want, right? Or the boss has a 20% chance to drop the weapon you want. When you... When when you get the weapon by killing the boss five times and on the fifth time you roll the weapon versus when you kill the boss five times and go to the vendor and buy the weapon, it feels so much better to have that surprise, right? To have the weapon drop and go, oh, oh my, my, my weapon, oh my God, this is so good, right? This is so huge for me, right? That feeling is, I think, a very core feeling to to MMO design. You are, right? you are literally just describing a Skinner box, right? Like... Uh, yeah, no, I you know, absolutely, which is part of the right? you know the uh, the the draw, right? Like the the addictive quality. Um, yeah, and, and I think that has a really negative connotation. But to me, this is not negative, right? Like this is a feature, as far as yeah. I'm concerned, not a bug, right? Uh, which is that I want the good feeling of RNG loot as it is, right? Um, versus 
the the sort of because uh, what happens in the other in the other direction is it starts to feel like a chore, right? This is something we saw with Shadowlands and legendaries. Shadowlands legendaries were built in response to the RNG legendaries of Legion, right? Which were famously people were really frustrated with those because they wanted specific legendaries and they had to grind a lot in order to proc them and getting those legendaries was a very long drawn out process that was that was frustrating right um but people also ended up resenting shadowlands legendaries and the reason why is because because it was so deterministic to get the legendary right all you needed to do was run run the content to get the 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 thing and then buy the you know buy the stuff off the auction house do you put it all together at the rune carver and you're good right that was a, that was an entirely deterministic process it was viewed as this chore that you had to go through right because you know it was a it was there there was no piece of that puzzle that felt like loot that that whole puzzle felt like the the kind of foundational cornerstone of a build not a capstone piece of a build right um and so that's one of the things that i definitely think that uh i i am disagree I, i'm in disagreement with this take that that random loot tables are are bad actually I, I so i agree i agree with you generally i think there's an answer that's something that's something that looks like you know again talk about wow the, the shadowlands current like tier set thing which is like you know some sort of bad luck protection, right? Like, because I, I think that's the worst part of RNG is like, you know, running the same thing and not, or like, you know, some ability to target it, target certain things, right? Like, um, for instance, I started playing Magic the Gathering again. Um, and we'll talk about that in this, this in the back half. But um, at, the, at the event I was at at PAX East, um, they were selling booster packs. And apparently something that Wizards had started to do is they sell specific packs that are themed that will give you like certain colors, right? Like I got a Maestro pack so I could get those um, blue, red, black cards that are in the Maestro theme. And, you know, it, I will get the, I, I will get like random cards, but of that set, right? So I don't have to worry about, you know, getting a white or a green card, which is not something I was looking to, to, to go after. Uh, and so I think like, Things like that that let you kind of, like, narrow the field um, or, like, other ways to kind of, like, make that work are um, are probably good. I also think part of this um, is, is just kind of, like, how MMOs are built, right? Like, MMOs are generally, like, because everything needs to be balanced. We've talked about this in regards to well, Because everything needs to be balanced against each other, right? Um, uh, because everything needs to be balanced against each other, you can't really have, like, super build diversity because things get out of hand really quick like so, say like in a diablo 3 right like you can kind of constantly switch up switch up your legendaries i actually think that diablo 3 went in the wrong direction with this with, with their kind of like seasonal sets but that's an entirely different discussion um but because of that like you want everything to be like a level more homogenous than your standard say action rpg right your, or your loot, loot rpg um and because of that uh, and, and because of that, like you kind of get, you're in this weird between space where like the RNG feels, can feel bad because you're just trying to target a specific thing, right? Like there's no chance, you know, Titan forging causes problems, but Titan forging really hit that RNG kind of thing, right? Like the chance to get something better, right? Um, I think WoW is maybe in a decent place right now with kind of like you can roll like sockets and affixes, um, mm. but I don't know how to deal with that, right? Like, you know, I think, I think you need, I think fundamentally the problem is you need some external motivator that isn't 
the gear. Um, in addition to the gear, like I think the gear is important, but like you need like appearances or you need like, you know, for me, it's parses, right? I, I want to be parsing yeah. better every time. And that's an, that's, that's an exogenous thing that's, that's driving me. And I think you really need a piece of that somewhere in some regard. Um, uh, yeah, I also think that this. there's a piece of that puzzle that is uh, sort of on the player, right? Like I don't have a ton of sympathy for someone who says there needs to be bad luck protection for me getting this specific trinket, right? Right. If you are the kind of player that says, well, I need this trinket from this dungeon and the game is bad if there isn't bad luck protection for me to get this this one specific item, I don't have a lot of sympathy for that, right? To me, at a certain point, you do need to sort of make a compromise and go, yeah, well, take the, take the mathematically worst trinket that you are getting because there are a lot of trinkets that you could be getting and you're sort of fixating on one, right? And yeah. And you know, the, it's good to have chase items in the game. I think chase items are neat and they're fun and it makes the game uh, pop better when you get one of those items, right? Um, but when you're living in this world where the only thing that matters is getting the one individual trinket, the one individual ring, the one individual weapon that you want, um, that's kind of a recipe for frustration. But I definitely do believe in you know that sort of bad luck protection, right? I like the idea that there is always sort of a floor that you can rely on where even if you are not getting a drop, even if you, you need, if you need bracers more than any fucking thing in the world, you can go do a thing to hard farm bracers and, you know, set, set that piece of your gear up for, for later. Right. Um, because it does definitely suck to have a piece of eye level 200 loot or whatever. Um, just because you can't get the right, the right slot to roll. Um, Anyway, so to continue on with more with more takes, this one comes from uh, a game designer, a game designer on a co just a completely different game. But she says time limited things that are removed afterwards and can never be earned again. What what's your what's your what's your ex, uh, base reaction to to time limited things like that? I think you need them in order to like make the game compelling in a way, right? Like, like. That that is part of what sets an MMO apart, right? Like I think if you mm. don't want anything like that, then um, then you don't want to be playing an MMO, right? Like, okay. Um, I think I think there are like you know I think there are gradations, right? This isn't this isn't to say like you know log in every day or you don't get this special like super cool looking thing, right? Like I think that's too far in the other direction, but like I think you want it to be like I think like ahead of the curve is something you like that's a meaningful thing to, to try and get with a time limit on it um i think like something something that I, I i also like is kind of like when they do like you know if you do certain things you'll get this armor set and you can only get a recolor later right um things that like subtly that are that are relatively subtle a relatively subtle version of of kind of this time exclusive content without being super uh uh, super bad, but I, I do think you need some amount of it in order for in order for the the game to to be compelling. What are, what are your thoughts? I do think I agree in some respects um, because I also feel a lot of motivation to get ahead of the curve or to get uh, Keystone you know, Master. Keystone Master is a good example of this, right? Yeah, you only get that in the season. That and it is a mark of the achievement, right? Which is part of what makes it fun. I did the thing that nobody else did. Because I am better at the thing, you know, and and that feels good, and that is a that is a reward for it, right? Um, I do think that it is okay to have some 
sort of like back you know back, the, the thing i'm referencing here is the black market auction house on wow right like this is a this is a tool that they have where you just put stuff up for insane amounts of gold and say hey if you want this thing you can farm out nine million gold and you can get it essentially right um there are a lot of these that go from a super high drop rate to a super low drop rate. So, for instance, the mythic mounts that drop out of, um, you know, that drop out of uh, finishing, uh, clearing mythic raids, right? So, like, doing mythic Sylvanas or whatever. That gives you a special mythic mount that you would not have had access to otherwise. Um, and after the game goes live, that mount goes from a 100% drop rate, right, where every time you clear the boss you get this mount to a 1% drop rate where if you want this thing, you better be you saddle the fuck up for two years because you're going to be clearing this dungeon for a, a long time to try and roll, um, to try and roll the, the mount. So I feel like those are the fair ways to do it specifically for stuff like mounts or transmog or appearances, right? I think I am in general that I don't like the idea that appearances or mounts, cosmetics, stuff like that is ever locked away forever. Right. I think that there should be some, how, how, you know, However arcane or obtuse you want to make that process, there should be some process to, if I really, 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 really want the thing, I can spend a lot of time and effort getting, you know, getting the thing. Um, I do, however, think that there's a lot of stuff that that doesn't count for, which is like titles or um, achievements. And to me, that stuff is fair game, right? Ahead of the curve, you it that is the whole point of an achievement, right? Is to is to achieve something. And if you do not do it in the time frame, if you do not do it in the time at which it was current, you do not have the achievement for doing the thing when it was current, right? That to me, it would be paradoxical to to kind of put that on any other sort of pedestal. And I also think that that's true for titles. Titles, right there are certain titles in the game um the tormented title is a good example of this which is just an achievement for you know being one of the top players of mythic plus you know that it it makes sense that if you were one of the top players of that season you get a special thing for that season it's a title right that kind of stuff yeah i i, I agree with that as well um but yeah it's otherwise there's like no urgency to the game um and i think that that's a i think that's a problem like i think urgency is an important thing for like a continuously playing game um in order to make it like uh what's what's the word to make it compelling yeah yeah there's definitely that feeling of like if i can just do the thing whenever i will do the thing just whenever so this is an interesting one that we have two we have dueling takes for so i, I, I want to preside just two two sides because these are quite literally opposites right one player says uh teleports going from x to y one of the best things about immersive experiences in wow was the take a zeppelin or a train or fly with an eagle teleporting just feels so anticlimactic right um and then hold on let me scroll back up to find the other god where was the other one i was just looking at it a second ago oh god did I did I did I lose this in Twitter? Okay, so the other one was was literally teleportation, right? It was I want to be able to go wherever I want to go with have without having to wait two minutes or f or five minutes to to take a bus to get there, right? Um, which I think is interesting because it is those are two things are are uh, expressing two different sort of sort of ideas. Which one do you think you fall in line with more? Oh man, I think I'm going to split the baby here a little bit. Like, 
I think there's like definitely like a uh, a benefit to like it's been like you know first time out you have to explore everywhere and get it. Um, I also think there's a benefit to like after you've done that just kind of zipping there makes sense. Um, I like all things considered, I'm pretty okay with the WoW system as it is. A lot a lot of which is because you know you know Zerath Mortis has flying and flying is pretty quick. Um, I also kind of like the like the Guild Wars 2 system where like you have to walk to somewhere to unlock a point, but at that point you can just teleport there. Um, yeah, I think that I think that's my my base reaction is like you know you, you know I don't think there's any situation where, where you know like you know put in X Y and teleport exactly there makes sense, but like the 14 in Guild Wars style, 2 style, you can teleport to any kind of point um, or or any you know teleportation point without having to spend the the flight time in between. Is, is fine as well. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. How do you feel? Yeah, I feel like I am more inclined... On, I think the, the, the sort of raw nugget of game design that is being pitched in either of those, um, one of which is convenience and the other one is immersion, I'm almost always going to fall on the side of immersion, immersion in that, right? Like, I think it is more valuable to have an immersive experience than a convenient experience, especially because I think a lot of the times the convenient experience just starts to feel sort of un like unfun right um part of what makes an mmo a fun thing to do is being able to immerse yourself in it a little bit right um because when you're just thinking about it as you know the the raw goal driven skinner box stuff right like that's when that's when it's easy to fall out of the game you have to you have to get a certain amount into the fantasy of it in order to in order to have like real sort of staying power um though i think that the real thing for me that splits the difference here is cooldowns right i like i like a hearthstone in wow because it means every 15 minutes i have an instant cast teleport to a central important location right right now it might be my covenant sanctum but you know it might be the central city of the of the expansion right or it might be um you know i don't know any any other of a number of different places right i actually quite particularly liked the version of things where we got two hearthstones essentially you had like your garrison hearthstone and then like or like the dalaran hearthstone in in legion those were fun because it let you set your hearthstone to an important location that you liked a lot like mine was at a special there was um for blacksmithing there was a special anvil that you had to go to that was the only anvil where you could craft this kind of mat this was like fell steel ingots or whatever so my hearthstone was set there and i had the dalaran hearthstone set to dalaran so i kind of had these two locations on the map that i could instantly teleport at two at any at any individual time but there's a pretty hefty cooldown associated with that right and i sort of wish that we could return to that version of things um because uh you know it is it is the uh, it's kind of the, the the most interesting way to make to make that happen right um but i also think that there's a certain amount of instant teleportation that works as a progression reward right so for instance one of the things that feels good about leveling up my covenant sanctum is getting those teleports across the zone right or one of the things that feels good about um about progressing through the maw was earning that teleporter thing like in the back that you could go and you teleport straight to you know straight to the raid entrance right whereas other people before you had to do that you had to run those kinds of contrasts i think feel good in aggregate right where you realize okay for the first few weeks i am running to the thing and then i buy the thing that lets me just teleport straight there that that you know kind of like back and forth i think is uh i think is pretty neat yeah well i i, I get that um 
But yeah, um, I, I I also want to point out that I think that like the way WoW does kind of like meeting stones and like you know warlock summons I think is good from kind of like an organizational perspective, right? Like, yep. Um, part part of this for me is driven by the fact that like at some level when you're just kind of grinding content, um, having to having to do like a lot of traversal, right? Like Zareth Mortis is relatively small in terms of like you know getting on my mount and flying somewhere. Having to do a lot of traversal, I think gets tiresome really quickly um but I, I i think there my intuition is that there are more factors that go into this besides just kind of speed of transmission right mm-hmm. like you know um there's also like like i said distance there's kind of, there's even stuff that like you might not even think is directly related to this but like kind of density like quest location and density of mobs in the area right like if i you know move relatively slowly and there's somebody ahead of me that's always picking off the mobs ahead of me that's more of a problem with like mob respawn rates than it is with travel time as it were but like it kind of manifests itself as a travel time problem if that makes sense um so i i I think i think part of that too is is kind of like a variety of factors that all need to be kind of considered together um Okay, so the next one that I also think is very spicy, this one comes from a producer on the World of Warcraft team. His name is Zorbrix. He's been there for a long time. I think he was actually a community manager at first and eventually transitioned into being um, into being a producer, but I, I, I might be wrong about that. So his thing is, for a new game, Realms. Having geological regions like US East slash West splits are fine, and especially nice for things like time zones, player concurrency norms, and you know downtime consideration. But the management of small individual 2K to 5K player cap realms is a headache. Everybody loves the idea of this close-knit community where your name and reputation matter, where people recognize you from last week's BG or Raid or something. That sounds cool, right? But I just don't think player behavior aligns with that concept anymore. Most new game launches that have something like Realms turn into frustration. Popular Realms fill up, players sit in queue, friends get split up, then some Realms become ghost towns, need merges, transfers, other techs. And I and don't even get me started on the streamer impact on this one uh what 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 is your what's your your base thought on realms uh so um as as you might as you might say at say like one of the courts of the united states of america this is uh, a balance of interests and i think the balance of interests um kind of falls in this this take like i think this take is mostly correct um i think that like i think it's you know i think it's less I'd be a little bit more charitable than like everybody likes the idea of it. I think those things are valuable, but I don't think they're more valuable than um, being able to play the game easily, right? Because like along with along with having small realms, you need things like you know like an intentional an intentionally bad LFG system, right? Like part of that like um, reputation building is sitting in town and being like spamming like LF1M healer for dungeon right for like half an hour before you get to do the content, which you know. Builds, you know, fulfill helps to fulfill that that reputational role, but doesn't is negative effect on the game otherwise. And in in an era where like you know you have access to all that instances, I think that has to fall by the wayside. And I don't think there's any good way around it. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I definitely feel that, especially with just the numbers on which these things launch, right? Um, To me, the one that is the toughest about it is really the launch day sort of, right? Like, I mean, maybe this just comes from my background working on 14, right? But just the amount of population that you see on an X-Pack or a patch launch where all of these people are coming back, they're all trying to flood through 
you know, the, the gate or whatever. I just feel like I would much rather have a situation where I have a big, broad system that can handle that load rather than these very, like, tightly, you know, kind of constrained um, sorts, of, uh, sorts of interactions, right? Um, though, I guess I sort of think that the... I, I, it's interesting that you mention the intentionally like obtuse uh, dungeon like group finding system because I do think that is a piece of it, but that also has like a lot of like knock on effects. I guess sure. I would say, um, which is maybe just like a good reason to to transition. Uh, ben Brode, who is the former game director of Hearthstone, right? Famously, the former game director of Hearthstone eventually left Hearthstone. Um, to make uh, his own game studio where they are working on something I don't remember, right? He says the thing that he does not want in an MMO is LFG. I generally feel like increased friction to groups lets content be harder because it's a pain to replace party members. So you are incentivized to help them improve, which is maybe one of the most insightful takes that I have seen in this thread in terms of just like, I never thought about it that way, right? Like, but yeah, it is one of those things where if you have a, a, a dedicated LFG tool where somebody can just, you know, get right in there and and be replaced more or less instantaneously because there's an automated queue set up for this whole sort of system, it does sort of incentivize just like kicking a new player who doesn't know any better, right? Um, or or just immediately replacing someone as soon as um as soon as you get a better you know like a better kind of applicant right like those sorts of interactions which i do sort of think are are kind of negative um i don't know what, what what's your what's your what's your feeling on that i'm I, like I, again you're gonna you're gonna this with the baby take for me but I, I i think that like um again to go back to wow i think that wow struck a pretty decent balance here right like lfgqs for like heroic dungeons i think are great for what that is right um I think that the LFG finder isn't like, uh, like kind of like the, the group maker isn't an invaluable tool just for like meeting new people. Like it's a thing you kind of need once you kind of like to the previous point, right? Like you don't have like contained communities, right? Like you need to be able to meet people to do these kind do these things somehow. But I, I think like having a little bit of friction there, um, uh, or I also think you might have cause and effect backwards, right? Like, um, making the content harder causes you to form groups easier. And I think the thing he might be pointing out, which makes sense to me, is that if you make it an automated queue, there's an expectation that, like, any five players that you throw into the pot can can solve the problem. Um, and so maybe putting a little bit more intentionality behind it is warranted. Um, but I, while I sympathize with it, I do think, I, I think it needs to be there. Like, you know, Raid Finder, tourist mode, right? Like, I think... You need a way for players who don't necessarily want to put the effort in to be able to experience most of the content, at least in some form. And I think that that's more important, again, balancing interests than um, having, uh, you know, than, than having a you know a super narrow experience, right? Like build those experiences and put those roadblocks up for the people that want them. But you need kind of like a base level that everyone can participate in in order for the MMO to be successful and make sense. Yeah, I, I also think I generally come down on that side, um, especially because. When I think of, I, I think maybe the Mythic Plus version in WoW, where there's not an automated queue for it, but you can list a group on a sort of marketplace where you can sort of vet people, is maybe the perfect middle ground. Because there is, one of the things that is tough 
is the idea that I replace somebody in my party and I get a replacement who is equally as bad, right? And I don't have any ability in, in strenuous, high-difficulty content to sort of filter out for players who are um, who are making those kinds of decisions. So as, I guess my, my, my sort of thesis would be, as the difficulty for the content increases, I want better and better tools to deal with the, you know, like to fine-tune my my group um m like moving up the that that ladder essentially um i do want to call out that candace thomas who is a lead game designer on the right mmo project formerly worked on well formerly worked on uh the 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 lord of the rings uh mmo also chimed in and gave her thoughts on this where she says you know there's a lot to unpack here um there's a couple of pieces initially finding party members content uh the content difficulty and backfilling people who drop uh slash investment um candace is a big fan of a tool that lets people create a party as opposed to just finding random people and mashing them together for traditional mmo content right which is more or less what i'm sort of describing with this like the m plus version right right this isn't an automated tool but it is something that easily lets me create a party i think that giving people the option of uh people who can surround themselves with is important to for community building and makes people invest in each other in a more meaningful way what i don't like is gatekeeping or being unnecessarily exclusionary this is a hard balance to strike players should have a tool to find one another but i'm not sure the lfg tool is exactly it keep in mind some content is good for and actually made better by having random buddies mashed together a lot of the lfg tool things like battle royale fall guys among us right like those are all all of that kind of content is much better for having um an automated queue system um, on the content difficulty, she says this is tough too because there's always a broad range of skill in any game with combat. My bias is towards having enough breadth of combat of content type and letting people who want challenging content congregate towards each other. People who don't want that challenge should still have plenty to do and try not to feel and try not to force those two people into the same place because their values are misaligned, right? Which I think makes a lot of sense. Yeah, you yeah. don't have a queue for mythic plus dungeons but you do have a queue for heroic dungeons because those are kind of aimed at different people um when it comes to backfilling you know she just talks about uh backfilling undermines the need for a team to stick together and finish something out it decreases investment in your party members but especially if you don't have any investment in the first place you didn't get to pick the key is to get that initial investment going right get people aligned around the goals forgive one another when things go poorly and reward everyone for their times even if things don't you know work out so I I feel like that is maybe one of the most uh, one of the most complicated answers, uh, just because like it really is a tough one to navigate um, in sort of the like the modern in like the modern game space. Yeah, I agree. Um, but I, I think I generally agree with that take. So you know, it's 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 a tough thing to do. But uh, okay. The last one that I wanted to, uh, uh, we maybe do two more, but the last one that I wanted to bring up are come from Ixar, who is the game director for Hearthstone, like the current game director for Hearthstone. Um, the first thing that he says is no add-ons. They have become the biggest barrier to entry for me. Feel like I can't play without them, but hate updating them. And that includes no third-party access to logs. I want no websites with simulated DPS rankings or tier lists based on scrubs of magic user data which is in fact a very spicy take yeah. <laughs> what do you think about that um i mean i'm gonna i disagree because it's some, that's the thing that i want to strive for right like mm -hmm. um i want to be able to like see how i rank against people right like that, that's like a way that i enjoy playing the game 
Um, I think the thing that he's pointing to, which is, you know, like kind of people being dicks about it, um, essentially, uh, to party members, if you're not parsing high enough is, um, you know, is, is a real problem. But again, balance of interest, I think like third party, whatever, you know, like if they want to build the tools inside the game for me to do that, I'm happy with that too. But I really like kind of like, you know, the Warcraft log style of, you know, you know, get my DPS meter, see how I'm doing and compare myself to other players of the same general type because then I can see how I'm doing, right? I can see how well I'm doing. Um, and mm -hmm. if I don't have that, like, then a lot of the interest for me falls away, right? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to maximize my performance. Um, but Yeah, I also think that it's complicated because he says third party. Right. I do agree that there should be no first party access to this stuff, right? Which is to say that I really don't like the idea of a native DPS meter in WoW. I think that would be very bad. Um, or similarly, I don't. I think it would also be very bad for there to be Warcraft logs inside of inside of WoW's gameplay, right? Like imagine you could bring up an interface in WoW that was just Warcraft logs, right? Like it was natively supported. Right. Um, into the game. I think that would be awful. I think that would be a huge problem that I would really be against. But because those things are third party, because they are add-ons, to me, they are, you know, like, they're kind of off limits in a way, right? Like, I really don't know that I think that um, anybody should restrict players from cultivating an experience with the game in the way that they want it to cultivate it right and like yeah i guess i i, I sympathize to the idea that there that that creates a meta that that creates all of these sorts of hang on you know sort of tacked on effects along those sorts of lines um but i definitely i don't know i for from the, it, it feels very bad to me to say that third party stuff is off limits for the for the game because that is the player's purview right it's not in the game natively everyone doesn't have to interact with this only the players who opt in do and that feels very that feels very uh fair to me um i honestly i don't i don't think i agree with you i think that having it be first party would be fine um my kind of view really? on my kind of view on this is if if people are going to be dicks they're going to be dicks no matter what right like and at least I, from my perspective, at least if you have a logging tool, you have something objective to point at, right? Because I think the type of person who's going to yell at you over not parsing well enough is the same type of person who's going to yell at you because they think you're not parsing well enough. Um, and that's worse if you can't prove it either way, right? Like, um, so I get I get what you're saying, and uh, I'm not super 100% hardcore committed to it, but I just, I just don't think that it makes that much of a difference. So to be clear, I don't I don't think that it would be better for, for to me this is not a moderation issue, okay. right? Or which is to say that it is a moderation issue in the sense that yes, people being dicks to each other is bad, but people being dicks to each other is a problem to be sorted out by good moderation, not a problem to be to be dealt with in first principles by gameplay mechanics essentially, right? right. Like the person who is going to yell at you because your DPS is bad is probably going to yell at you even if he doesn't have a DPS meter right. because he's a dick, right? And dicks are going to be assholes, right? Like that's just that's the way the things are going to work. Some dicks are going to be assholes. What that quote me on that? Twenty twenty two, buddy solo, right? Um, the 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 real thing I'm describing is um, this adoption of parsing and parse gameplay as a first party, you know, experience that WoW is supporting. Right? I don't mind that. You're know, like, 
um, a, a, wild, a Warcraft designer explained this uh, on, on the forums recently. People were talking about how it really sucks to have power infusion in the game because power infusion really warps logs, right? If you are a player who gets power infusion, your logs are going to be way better than somebody else's logs, right? Like, these are called external buffs. Um, your logs are going to be better than, than other people's logs. And so it's impossible to parse against a group that has a bunch of priests funneling power infusion into you know, this one, this one guy or whatever. And, and the thing that the designer said is something that I really agree with, which he said was, um, parsing is an external goal that players create for themselves, right? Not that we as designers create for you. The goal that we create for you is kill the boss, right? Can you kill the boss? If, if yes, you get loot. If no, sucks to suck, right? Um, the additional goal of parse well is something that is totally fine for players to adopt for themselves but is not something that we want to design for right we want to design kill the boss as the goal not parse well as the goal right and that's what really what i mean when i say it should not be adopted first party right i feel like if you bring in dps meters if you bring in warcraft logs first party you are now assuming the responsibility to to design the game around those features which i think would be bad okay right? so um, so i i can agree with that on kind of like yeah. uh philosophically i don't have a problem with it being first party but practically i see what you're saying right because yeah. like then you if well you know as an example were to adopt uh logs first party then they would probably want to split out power infusion as like a property of the casting person and that's on them to do that engineering work Right, as opposed to Warcraft vlogs who you can make these, those decisions as they want to, right? So yeah. I, I I agree with you from a practical perspective. I don't have the kind of philosophical like I don't think yeah. Okay, I agree with you. I'll just leave it at that. Okay. The other thing that I just want to touch on uh, because I think it's neat. The other thing that XR said was a controversial opinion. No PvP scaling or PvP specific gear. Let players who who slayed the giant dragon and got the giant dragon sword have a gear advantage. Fairness is boring. Fancy gear should matter everywhere. <laughs> what, how do you feel about that? Honestly, I kind of agree. Um, just because, like, I think that's, like, I, so something I think that Destiny does well is it has two, it, ha it has a normalized mode, which is, like, the standard PvP, and it's got Iron Banner, which is Light Levels Matter, and I think that's a good kind of compromise, right? Because, like, I do think that there's something to that idea, um, I also think that, like, you know, when your PvP experience doesn't match your PvE experience, super, like, at least in kind of, like, tenor, that there's a problem there, um... The, the obvious problem is that if you do that, then, like, you know, the power, like, um, you know, uh, power creep is a problem or, like, kind of, like, these, you know, you know, importance of, you know, best in slot stuff matters a lot more, which I think is not as good, but. Yeah, um, and then you have the, the frustration of I'm an arena player who is forced, forced to Mythic Raid right. because I need, you know, the giant dragon sword and I hate Mythic Raiding, that that kind of a thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I am definitively pro-PVP gear. I think gear is important to PVP. I think templating sucks and... I have never liked it in any iteration of WoW. And I also think that players don't like it in WoW, at least, like, they might say they like it, but I feel like they psychologically that's not true. It reminds me of the thing that, um, uh, God, what was the, the – Jeff Kaplan said about Overwatch, right, where he says players say they want a fair match, but what they want is to win matches that are hard. 
right? Like they want to win matches that are close. They do not want to win 50% of the time, right? Um, and part of what what fuels that in in WoW's situation is that feeling of gearing up and getting and getting more and more PvP gear, right? Like there is that feeling of, okay, I have earned enough whatever conquest points to buy my pvp axe and my pvp axe is really good and i'm going to stop faces with my pvp axe um which i think people will generally generally like and generally enjoy um the current design i think of wow, of wow pvp gear is uh it scales up in pvp content right so it is sort of normalized for for outdoor content but it, you gain 13 eye levels worth of pvp power whatever it is um just by stepping into an arena or a battleground or, or turning on war pretty, mode which is, yeah, I, yeah. I think, is a, a key component of that. Um, so I definitely want to say that I think that rewards for PvP, I think, is important. But I also kind of want them to, trans like, I don't know, in kind of, like, my idealized world. And this is, like, a, t a tough thing to pull off, so I don't blame any particular game or designer for not being able to hit this. Is like, you can get, like, top-of-the-line gear from any of the activities, and you can bring that to other content and have it work, you know, at, you know, 95 to 98% effectiveness. Um, the problem, of course, is that like one of them is going to hit 102% effectiveness and then everybody's going to have to go do that thing if they hit that particular activity. But I think that that's like more kind of a player problem than it is a designer problem, but I get yeah. it. Um, anyway, those are, those are all so, of the, those are all of the big ones that I wanted to go through on the thread. So one that I have, the one that I saw kind of in passing, um, that I think has like an interesting conversation behind it that I want to hit real quick is, um, somebody said, uh, some, I don't want a transmog system. Um, and this player's particular reason for it is because of like, you know, the propensity for companies to monetize those things, um, which I think is a separate thing that I want, that I want to talk about. Um, there's, I, something I have heard in the past is that transmog is a, can be a problem because it kind of, uh, disguises, um, you know, player legibility, right? Like something that destiny does is it lets you transmog your armor, but your guns, do, don't change like you can color them but you can't um change their models because you want that legibility from a uh from a kind of a, a a competitive standpoint do you have any deeper thoughts on that you know this was a this was a thing that came up with the original transmog rules in, in wow which were to say that you know casters uh should only be able to transmog to cloth because um if you if I'm a caster and I am in plate, you th you are going to think that I am a warrior, right? Um, and to me, that is never really like held up in practice in like real sorts of terms. To be honest, like I think there is something to silhouetting, right? You know, something that that happens in skin design in League of Legends or in Overwatch, one of the, any of those games, is that like the silhouette of your character, right? Like the at a glance of your character, no matter what skin they're wearing. I need to be able to see, oh, that's Yasuo. Oh, that's, you know, whoever, Winston, right? At Just, just at a glance. Even if you, you have some crazy skin that does whatever, right? If I have the robot Winston skin that turns into a, into a fucking robot or whatever, I still need to be able to see at a glance that he is, that he is Winston. Um, 
I think I am ultimately on team that doesn't matter in an MMO because the thing that defines a warrior are abilities and I'm going to watch them do their abilities and MMO combat is much slower than other combat, right? Like the time to kill in an FPS is going to be much quicker than time to kill in a Warcraft arena just because of a global cooldown, right? Like that's how, that's how GCDs limit people. It's why, you know, you can have a six second stun in WoW and that's not OP, but if you had a six second stun in Overwatch, it would be the most broken fucking thing yeah. on the planet, right? Um, and uh, and if you have a longer time to kill, it is easier to snap recognize these things because you are watching, oh, this guy put Frost Shock on me, therefore he's a shaman, you know what I mean? Um, and therefore I don't really think that Transmog matters from uh, from that kind of like legibility perspective. I, I feel like some of these things do matter in form, if not necessarily in that sort of function. For instance, I don't like the idea that I can Transmog off of... Um, like a two-handed weapon, right? I think it would be bad if, as an arms warrior, I could transmog my two-handed weapon to a sword and shield, right? Because fundamentally, I'm not doing sword and shield stuff. I'm doing two-handed weapon stuff, right? Um, and so I sort of think that you shouldn't be able to transmog away from sort of basic weapon types. If you are wielding a two-hander, if you're wielding two one-handers, if you're wielding um, a staff as a caster, right? Like, all of those things should be unique. Um, but, you know, I feel like if, if, a, if a plate character could transmog into cloth, that probably would not bother me all that much if a cloth trans character could transmog into leather, especially because they've introduced a lot of uh, armor agnostic transmogs, right? You know, like there's the the necromancer robes for Maldraxxus. You can transmog that across any armor type. You know, it's a robe. It's cloth. It looks pretty clothy. I feel like anybody would look at that and go, that's a, you know, like that's a caster, right? Uh, so... Yeah, I don't know. That's sort of my overall take on Transmog. <laughs> no, that makes a lot of sense. And and I think I, I uh, generally agree with it. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know if I got anything anything deeper there. But, uh, you know, uh, given that, that, that we said that'd be the last one, um, how's, uh, how's your week been? Hey, you know, how has my week been? Uh, I've been playing a lot of Battletech. I've been playing, you know, a reasonable amount of, of, of WoW, I guess at least for me. Um, and... Uh, just kind of been, I don't know. Oh, you know, so a big thing that I've been playing is uh, I, I did another board game night. Did I tell you about Arcadia Quest uh, I when, when I did. played this a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, we played another round of Arcadia Quest, which was neat because we actually continued our characters, right? Which is the, the thing I have I've always done in these, uh, in these um, board games, but never actually followed through on, which is we ended the game, we wrote down everybody's essentially position, right, on a, on a sheet of paper, and then we picked up from that position, right? How many games of diplomacy have, say, have we, like... Yeah, we're, we're still going to continue that Gen Con 20, you know, 2016 yeah. <laughs> diplomacy game. Yeah, I mean, you know, like we, you, it's it's like it's like the fantasy, but yeah, we we have actually we sat back down and we did it. Uh, I continue to win games um, as Arcadia Quest, which I honestly feel a little bit bad about uh, because I don't mean I sort of fucked people over very, much harder uh, in our last game. Warren, <laughs> Warren did this thing where he he ran a guy through you know like a bunch of enemies and he took a bunch of damage, um, and he got right in front of a quest objective right um and he had one health and i had a guy like my wizard essentially with line of sight um and uh and i was just like i attack your dude 
he has one health. He's right in front of the quest objective. And I killed him, obviously, uh, because he had, he had one health. It was not that hard to kill him. And I was just sitting there like, I feel bad about this, right? Like, Warren spent, like, five turns doing all this stuff to get to the quest objective. And I just sniped him across the map, right? But it's also just, like, it's the mechanics. Yeah, that's the game. That's what's fair, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, I, also did, I also did a similar thing where uh, <laughs> Rachel... <laughs> Rachel went to a place and made a, an incredible OP combo, right? Which is, there was a character that says, when you attack a flanked ally, um, you know, one of the rules in Arcadia Quest is every time you use an attack, that attack is exhausted. You can't use it again until you rest, right? But there's a guy that says, when you attack a flanked ally, you don't exhaust your attack. Um, and the attack he had was... Uh, was called Astral Strike, right? Which is a you can you can attack a unit that is not in melee with you, but in melee with another you know like another member of your team, which is definitionally flanking them, right? Um, so she had an infinite attack combo that nobody could ever react to because or like that like the the monsters the PVE monsters could never react to because the guy isn't in melee right the guy is across the map but he keeps using this astral strike right and he's hitting from from across the way um, and she took out these two really huge really scary mobs with these astral strikes and then I snuck my my dwarf in and I snagged the quest objective that that those guys were guarding. <laughs> And she was like, buddy, what the fuck? Um, you know, which was degenerate and fun. Uh, <laughs> the, the dwarf character that I was running was also very degenerate and fun because his thing is if he rolls defense die, right? Like he does, he deals wounds based on blocking damage, right? So uh, the thing I was doing with him was triggering lots of essentially attacks of opportunity and then blocking all of that damage because I overloaded him on defense. So he was running past guys and then they would kill themselves on their own attacks, essentially. Um, uh, until that didn't work out because I rolled really poorly and my dwarf got my dwarf got one shot, <laughs> which was which was not great, which was which was not super fun. I don't know. This is this has been a really neat experience. Um, the the we are close to the end game. I think we have two more maps because um, like each one is like a forty five minute round, right? Where you you arrange the maps in a certain configuration. Um, we have two more of them. I'm pretty sure before we hit the very final map with the final boss. Um, and I guess, I don't know, maybe sometime in later this month or next month, we'll, we'll get around to it. Anyway, what, what have you been up to? What's your life like? Well, speaking of degenerate and fun, I've been playing Magic the Gathering. Um, oh, gross. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I jumped on Arena and I bought a bunch of packs and I am playing a, uh, I'm, so this new set is like Roaring Twenties themed. You might like the previous set, which is Kamigawa and like neon cyberpunk themed yeah i have heard that i would love kamigawa because they do ninjas yes. right which is my favorite thing in wow or i'm sorry in magic and i need to go buy a bunch of the ninja cards including a ninja planeswalker which i think is neat um so yeah yeah uh so that's uh so i am playing um i'm primarily playing in the streets of new Capenna stuff i'm picking up stuff as uh as it goes things that i have learned about as i've been playing is that the, that arena has this format called alchemy which i think is just them trying to do hearthstone style like balance adjustments which i think is neat um but you know obviously not replicable on paper um mm -hmm. i'm playing this kind of like crappy um but fun thrown together maestro, maestro, maestro deck maestro being the blue black red um uh clan 
in uh, in streets of New Capenna. Um, basically, I'm doing this thing I like to do because just because it's, it's it's very aggravating is you use red mind control to like steal an opponent's thing, um, and then you use uh, a red or a black mechanic to sack it while it's on your side, and you frust uh, you frust the other people out, um, which is. Always my objective is to just frust other people out. It's not like the greatest deck of all time, but it's a lot of fun. It's built around um, the the Maestro's boss, which is like a 6-6 six, six that costs 7, and you drop it, and opponent has to discard half their hand, and then when he attacks, they mill half their deck, and then when he dies, they have to sack half their, their uh, uh, permanence, uh, not line permanence, um, and it's great. Um, I rarely ever actually get that card out, but like, you know, mm. lots of little dumb tricks uh, that I use to kind of like... Uh, jump around with stuff uh, and I've been enjoying it a lot um, more than I think I have any right to I might try and build a a brawl which I think is their version of commander deck just because like I do kind of get sick of running the same deck over and over again um, which is kind of what you need to do if you want to climb the ranks super hard but uh, you know it's uh, uh, it's been a good time um, other than that I have been playing uh, a moderate amount of WoW ticked up slightly because I wanted to get more of the ciphers so I could, like, finish out those ciphers. Like, I've gotten everything except for the stuff that comes out of the chests, and that'll be, like, a nice grind uh, mm. for the end game. Um, and uh, I've also been playing some more Elden Ring. Um, and, you know, just kind of making my way through that. Um, the other big thing I did this week is uh, I saw Weird Al live in concert last night. Um, no. Yeah. It was a fan. So I have I, when we were in college, I saw Weird Al at um at the uh, at Ramshead, um, uh, and that was fantastic. He's like, you know, he had a bunch of props. Like for white and nerdy, he came out on a uh, on a Segway with like oh my uh, god, yeah. Um, but this so this his last couple of tours have been it's called like the ludicrously self indulgent tour. And he's like, you know, this isn't going to be like the old shows, right? Like, not as many props. It's him and the band kind of, like, sitting on chairs and doing songs. Um, and it's, like, mostly his original songs. They're still, like, fun and goofy, but they're not, like, you know, the parodies. Um, but And he, like, talks a little bit between them. They're described as intimate. But he's still such a freaking showman, right? He's got these great fucking light shows that, like, you know, like, he played Christmas at Ground Zero. Not Christmas at Ground Zero. Um, the Night Santa Went Crazy. <laughs> um, the other the other Weird Al Christmas song. Um and, like, the lights come on in green and uh, green and red, and they highlight him. And, like, he's, he is such a fucking showman. Um, and, that is so cool. Yeah. And it was it was a fantastic, like, some real pulls, right? Like, I think, like, almost half the songs were ones that I wasn't familiar with. Um, things like, you know, Nature Trail to Hell in 3D, which he described as, like, we're coming out with a new, or I'm, I've got a new movie coming out in a couple of months. Um, and he also played UHF as well, right? He's like, you know, it's been 33 years since the last one I made. And another 33 years, maybe I'll make the movie that I wrote the trailer song to, you know, 30 years ago. I played Nature, <laughs> played Nature Trail to Hell, which is like not a song that I was super familiar with. Um, uh, and then the, to me, part of the best part was, is, you know, every band does an encore now. Like nobody like, you know, walks off and actually stays off. Um, so yeah. he did kind of like the, you know, he stands on the side of the stage, like very, very, you know, um, conspicuously checking his phone and like looking at us cheering. He's like, no. Um, but then he comes back out and he says, all right, everybody shout what song you want to hear now. Right. And so, you know, like one, two, three, just a bunch of noise. He says, what was that? China Grove by the Doobie Brothers. <laughs> he just plays <laughs> China, 
trying to grow for the Doobie Brothers. He just does try to grow for the Doobie Brothers. And then his the final song of the night after that was he did basically um like a remix medley of like some of his most famous songs. Like it starts out with this like very calm, chimey, almost lounge musicy sounding thing, and he says then he he sings, We've been spending most of our lives living in an Amish paradise, right? Like it's just so fucking fantastic. Like you know, like ten minutes of just kind of remix, which which climaxes in fucking Yoda, you know, like the uh, the the parody of Lola, um, and it was a fantastic concert. I highly recommend uh, Weird Al uh, to uh, everybody uh, everybody out there if you can see him live in concert. I that sounds amazing, and I'm incredibly I'm incredibly jealous. He, I, they're they're on tour for wow. a while. You might be able to catch them still. I don't know where they are on their tour, but. Um, I honestly, I was like, I opened up Facebook for some reason I can't comprehend and, uh, it popped up. He's like, we still got some seats left. Like he, he made a post. I looked at it and it said the show in my town was, or nearby was sold out. And I clicked on it and there were a couple seats left. So I managed to, I managed to snag a, a, a last minute seat. Um, but yeah, that was three in Vegas in June. Ooh, L LA in, okay. On June 18th and June 19th. Consider it. They, yeah, <laughs> I kind of want to do this now. To be honest, I might actually make a make a pitch for for Weird Al. <laughs> Let's go! Wow, God, he is touring everywhere. Yes, and then he's back in September of the same year. What the fuck? Uh, yes, Jackie Chan, opera singer. We were talking about Weird Al, the Weird Al concert. Uh, I went yesterday, and it was fantastic. So, um, if I don't know if he's headed down your direction anytime soon. Uh, but if he is, I highly recommend it. Um, but yeah, that was that was my week. Um, yeah, the other thing I've been doing is playing a lot of BattleTech uh, again, which has started to fuck me a little bit because I'm playing Iron Man, uh, which is weird. Like I don't normally like playing Iron Man, um, but uh, because I've played BattleTech before, you know, a lot of the times on my second playthrough on runs like games like this, I will play I will play Iron Man just because you know. I'm already familiar with the mechanics. I feel like I don't need to save scum or whatever. Um, and I have been actually sort of fucked by Iron Man mode. Like, I have come very close to losing my run twice now. Um, just because, like, man, losing battles in Battletech are, is incredibly painful. Um, and there are certain battle types that are just like, you know... This won't matter for anyone, but I just want to say it in, the, in, in, in the spirit of if any of you are listening to this and are thinking, man, Battletech is fun. First of all, it is, and it's a good game. Do not ever believe the fucking lies on the assassinate mission. The assassinate mission will list like difficulty one or whatever, and then face you with like the most powerful mech you have ever fucking seen. And I'm like, what? I brought my worst guys to this because I thought this was the easiest mission on the fucking roster. And now this one dude in a fully powered, like, you know, whatever heavy mech is just wiping the floor with my starter units because like, like, you know, and then he's, like, killing guys. Oh, God. I mean, the thing that has been happening to me recently that has that has been really fucking with me, which, to be fair, is really my own fault. This is this is the hubris, right? In Battletech, you, you can... Um, there's three main guns, right? You have lasers, which generate a lot of heat and do good damage. You have auto... But no stability damage, right? You have auto cannons, which... 
um, are very heavy weapons, but don't generate a ton of heat, um, and uh, and they do a lot of damage, and they do a lot of stability damage, right? Um, and then you have missiles, right? Short-range, long-range missiles. Missiles do a lot of stability damage um, and can do a lot of damage if, if you're sort of, like, built for them or whatever. Um, and something that I did pretty early on was I found a mech that had a lot of missile hard points, right, that I could slot a lot of missiles on. And I gave him three... I gave him two LRM-15s and one LRM-20, which is a total of 50 missiles, right? Like, when he fire, fires a missile salvo, he fires 50 missiles, which is a fucking lot of missiles, right? But in order to do that, you have to strip the mech entirely of armor. So, like, you know, I have I have my one mech. My guy, you know, my guy who's Mateo Vasquez, Viper Vasquez, who um, is a is a you know I'm leading a band of of pirate mechs, of course, right? Um, Viper Vasquez is a melee guy, right? So his mech is really kitted out to do lots of melee damage and to just like brawl with these other mechs, right? Like I want to get in their face and I just want to like beat their ass, okay? Uh, Mateo's mech has about a thousand armor. He has a medium mech. It has about a thousand armor. This mech for the missile platform is also a medium mech, and it has sixty-eight armor. <laughs> because the, I've just literally stripped the entire thing of armor, which is very fun. Because the good thing about missiles is you can do indirect fire, right? As long as I am in range, uh, like as long as one of my other mechs is in range and I can see it through them, I can I can fire on that target, right? So what happens is is Mateo gets all up in their grill and is like beat sticking them. And then from across the mountain, there's a, there's a huge salvo of like 50 missiles that come in. Right. But the problem is if that, if anyone even just looks at that mech, it's gone. Right. Like it's dead as a doornail. Um, and this happened to me twice where I, I kitted out a guy who is an incredibly good gunner and an incredibly good, you know, it's called tactics, right? It's one of the, it's one of the stats. Um, the tactics is stat is used to decrease the indirect fire penalty. So if you are firing from across the mountain, your chance to hit is is higher. Um, and he's just wrecking people. We're just like clearing maps like the easiest fucking thing. Um, and then I get into this one assassination assassination mission that I thought was the easiest shit. Um, and you know the assassination missions they always have like an escort or something, right? Another another group of mechs. So I'm like I'm up there. I'm fighting with this group of mechs, and then out of fucking downtown this huge assault mech like comes around the mountain and it's like see ya motherfucker and just like debeats the shit out of this missile thing kills my pilot absolutely trashes the mech so that i'm gonna have to spend you know 25 days repairing the thing and i was just like i cannot believe this fucking happened to me right and then I rebuilt that mech with the exact same specifications, retrained a new pilot to do the same thing, and just last night, basically the same thing happened, except for this time, it was a set of reinforcements. Because sometimes you'll be in a battle, right? This one was for a convoy, where the whole thing is you have to keep up with a, a convoy of vehicles that are like moving down a road or whatever. Um, and so I have my three fastest mechs in here running after these these vehicles, and I have my Griffin in the back. And the Griffin is just like salvo, salvos, destroying all these fucking destroying all these fucking cars. Then in the middle of the battle, a series of reinforcements arrive, like a, a reinforcement drop, putting four new mechs on the battlefield right next to the Griffin, and they immediately act before I can even do anything with the Griffin and completely total the thing and kill the pilot again. I was just like. This is bullshit, man. I don't want to deal with this. This is fucking, you know, like, this is so dumb. 
did you uninstall BattleTech and reinstall Elden Ring? <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny? I didn't even uninstall Battle. You know, what, the, the, actually, the real insult to injury is that the very next mission that I fought against, right, was another assassination mission that put that would have killed Viper Vasquez if he was not the main character and he was literally immune to death. It put him in the in the hospital for 120 days, though, um, which was an assassination mission where I just kept getting absolutely fucking destroyed by these missiles. I was like, who the fuck is shooting me with missiles? And it turns out the guy in the super powerful mech was in an assault tier mech, which is the highest tier of mech, right? It was an assault tier mech that had two LRM-20s mounted on both of its arms and it was all the way in the back of the corner of the battlefield i was like how do i get there how do i kill this thing it's it's shredding me with these missiles he killed two of my guys and totaled three of my mechs but i fucking got him in the end i tell you what mango <laughs> oh. sounds uh sounds fun I, yeah, I don't know what else. <laughs> it's just the story. That's just the story of Battletech, yeah. I guess. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. You know, uh, I don't know. I probably got similar stories from like Crusader Kings 3 of like, you know, other bullshit that happened. You know, games with like a lot of procedural generation that are good for these kinds of stories. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't know. Should we do a couple more minutes since we had to like switch switch uh, broadcasting? Uh, yeah, I guess we could do a couple more minutes. God, what else has been going on? Um, uh, so, so huh. uh, as a former Square Enix employee, how do you feel about Square selling off? I think it was Crystal Dynamics and uh, somebody else. Yeah, like all of its Western studios, Crystal yeah. Dynamics, Eidos, right? You know, which is crazy because like Eidos was like a huge deal, right? Yeah. And, and they're basically selling it off for pennies, right? They sold it for $300,000. Really? Right? I didn't realize it was that cheap. It was insanely cheap. I was like, I cannot fucking believe this. Um, which I, I guess to a certain extent I understand because it is, um, you know, there, there must be very high operating costs, right? Sure. I, I get the sense that, uh, uh, that you know, like that's that's really what, what, what they're going for. Um, but, yeah, it's crazy. I think the thing that's really crazy about it is uh, that Square Enix keeps saying that all of these games that those, those guys are putting out are failures. Right, you know, Tomb Raider sells eight million copies, but it's a failure. Right, the Guardians of the Galaxy game, famously well reviewed, people played it a lot. Also, you know, uh, was a failure. The Avengers game, I guess everybody did hate, and they thought that that sucked. Um, but that was also sort of uh, that was also sort of a a failure, which was just like a crazy thing to me. I was like, how the fuck can Square Enix not turn profits with this stuff? Because it seems like so you know straightforward. Um, the, but the discourse I had heard around some of these things was that like essentially they would like put out like they go for the Tomb Raider game expecting it to sell like Call of Duty and it would sell like not like Call of Duty but still very well but like not enough to like meet their expectations um like I mean obviously this is all like kind of rumor and like hearsay but I've heard that the only reason Final Fantasy 14 hasn't been like um has essentially suffered like a the, the curse of the investors is that it's already so successful that like Yoshi P can just kind of be like, no, 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 let me keep doing this and leave me alone. Because, um, like, um, I think it's a Square game. Is Babylon's Fall, it's, like, the the Platinum game that, like, they commissioned that, like, is, like, some gas nightmare that, like, no like no one's playing at all. Um, that's, like, you know, got Platinum Combat, but they, it's set up like a gas and it's, like, not doing well at all. And, like, it's, like, not fun to play. Um it's like a game that, like, basically they knew it was going to fail, so they didn't get any advertisement about it. Um, wow. Yeah, I have never even fucking seen this, but I guess I'm now yeah. looking at it 
Yeah. Yeah. No. I, yeah. I'm actually not super surprised to hear that. I mean, like Square has has famously had these kinds of issues. Um, you know, when I was working there, there were a couple. There were a couple of years uh, where it just felt like Final Fantasy 14 was like propping up the entire company, right? Like, you know. Um, I, think I guess Final Fantasy. I, I don't think that was like felt like. I think well. that that's like true. That like Final Fantasy 14 was propping up the entire company. Uh, yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, fair enough. Um. Yeah, I, the thing I think I feel good about is that uh, the new studio Embrace, uh, what, Embracer? Embrace? I think it's called em, Embrace, Embracer Group. Uh, so, yeah, the new group is called Embracer Group. Um, They're like a big conglomerate, right, that, like, no one's ever heard of? Uh, yeah. And they have been, and they have been, like, going for uh, IP for a long time. They've been picking up a lot of, uh, they've been acquiring a lot of IP um like that's this is the this is the thing that they're that they're known for i'm trying to think yeah okay so they picked up the the remains of thq when thq um uh sort of folded uh they grabbed they grabbed all of those uh they grabbed all of those games and i feel like that that's you know pretty good um in general right like they talk about how w the thing that they that they like about square enix is like the value of this ip and they kind of want it to stick around right they mentioned deus ex um oh, and tomb raider as these like these are cool uh these are cool ips that you know we want to do we want to do more with um which is better than Honestly, it's better than some publisher acquisitions, right? Like the the typical EA acquisition model of getting scooped up and then getting axed, right? Um, or the Activision acqu acquisition model where you get bought and then you are making Call of Duties. Um, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know that's uh that's that's a piece of of news. You have anything else you want to talk about, or should we get out of here? We've we've killed a bunch of time. You know, I don't. I guess I don't have a ton of. Have you been watching Better Call Saul yet? Not yet. Okay. Yeah. Then I guess I I, I don't have anything else going on. Like I've honestly just been uh, uh, tearing through a couple of other, uh, you know, just a couple of other things TV wise, right? Um, like Better Call Saul. I rewatched all of Barry, which continues to be amazing. Uh, I kind of forgot how good Barry was, but on rewatch, boy, is it a lot better. Um, there's some really meticulous plotting going on where like things from honestly small, um, like it's one of those shows where very small details early on pay off w later in ways that you don't expect or think about. Um, and I only ever saw that stuff because I like sat down and I binged it. Um, oh, one more thing I wanted to ask you about. How do you, do you, do you have you heard about this Netflix news? Uh, uh like the, the password part? Or the, like the no the boss baby part they uh oh they lost a bunch of subscribers and then shuttered their like whole uh, animation division and told that their and told their animation division that the expectation for numbers that they should get is boss baby numbers that boss baby is the best animation that they have on the netflix platform which they don't even produce they license it from dreamworks uh which everyone was clowning on all weekend on twitter i mean so what. The interesting thing I've heard about this, because this, this seems like it's in the same vein of kind of like, we're going to start introducing ads. We're going to like crack down on password sharing. Um, is that content is still king, right? Like Netflix had mm -hmm. a first mover advantage, but it failed to kind of like, like it had some hit series, but like it, a lot of its value is from like licensed content. And that's been going by the wayside steadily as people spin off more platforms. Um, and so, the, you know, there's only so, so much you can do with it. Um, you know? Uh, 
By the way, something that I didn't realize is the phrase content is king was coined by Bill Gates. Really? Yeah. Um, or at least in the, con in the, in like the internet context, it was like, wow. Um, cause he, like, it was, it was, it was about one of these technology things. I think, I think it was like, you know, like right at like the cusp of the internet. It's like, you know, it's, it doesn't matter who provides, it's who, who has the content, right? Like, you know, um, which proves to be true still. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely agree with that. I think I spent more time watching Hulu and HBO max than any other streaming platform mm -hmm. in, in recent weeks. Right. Like, I feel like I'm very rarely on Netflix. Like, what was the last thing that I did on Netflix? And the last thing I watched on Netflix is I like popped on a James A. Caster thing, um, but that's just because I've been I've been watching um, fucking uh, Taskmaster, <laughs> and uh, you know I was like, well I recognize him from Taskmaster, so maybe I'll watch some of his stand up. Um, okay, so there are new episodes of Grace and Frankie, so obviously that's the best thing. I watch Young Justice and John Oliver on HBO. Yeah, on HBO, I, the thing that attracts me to HBO is all of the movies. They're, they're just like, is this huge well of movies that, I'm, that yeah. I always want to be, um, that I always want to be watching, it feels like. Um, I guess one of the Netflix shows, Netflix has uh, Big Mouth, the Nick Kroll show that I like a lot. Um, so that's not nothing, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Oh, I think we should wrap it now then. Yeah, I feel like I feel like we're done. All right. Well, if you'd like to email us about what any of the things you th uh, the, any of the things that we talked about on this podcast, you can email us at some gmail dot com or podcast at com. You'll follow us at twitch.tv slash some display games where these go out live. Um, sometimes with technical difficulties. Um, I rate review us on anywhere you find podcasts. Uh we have a YouTube where if you want to watch the streams, want to watch our beautiful faces and watch us uh, founder while we try and uh, uh, figure out what's wrong with the tech, you can do that too. Um, and uh, that's everything I have. Buddy, you have anything else you're looking to promote? Um, you know, this weekend I am, or this week I am going to be streaming, uh, which I don't remember what. And we're also doing a movie for movie night, but that hasn't been voted on yet. So, you know, yeah. All right. That's it. Well, in that case, uh, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners.